Make sure you hit subscribe, ring that bell, and leave your abuse down in the comments. And if it looks good, it's from one of us family members. The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. Any references to actual people are wildly inaccurate. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Roaring Peacock Youth Podcast. It is episode two. First of all, thank you for anyone that listened to episode one. We've had a great response. Uh, it's been lovely to see all your comments and your views and all that sort of stuff on YouTube. That's brilliant. Um, but of course, I'm your host, Ross. With me, as ever, is Cookie. Hello. And also here is Rob. Afternoon, chaps. Well, we started the week with a fantastic Leeds under 23s performance. We uh, put Burnley to the sword. It looked like men against boys um, for a lot of that game, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely did. I mean, first half, what we were... 3-0 up relatively quickly, playing some great football. The man we featured last week, Sam Greenwood, getting on the, the score sheet mm. um, before the man we will be featuring this week, Mr. Crescentio Somerville, um, smashing in an absolute banger of a hat-trick. So, yeah, big 4-1 win, keeping us top of Premier League 2. It's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic performance. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed everything about it, specifically the first 45 um, yeah. And as you say at the start of the pod there, uh, huge, huge thanks to everyone for the good response we got from the first pod. But it was pleasing to see that quite a lot of what we spoke about <laughs> transpired in the second, uh, in the first and second half of the match. So we didn't look um, completely stupid, did we? Uh, talking <laughs> yeah. about the under-23s and set off a bit of a trend, haven't we, this week? If I'm oh, honest. yeah, we are trend setters, yeah. All the other Leeds pod seems to start suddenly talking about their youth, which is, uh, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good that the more people yeah, talking about it. Exactly. The more people talking about it, the better. And I think um, what was good for me was... A really good under twenty three performance um, against Burnley, who were the sixth in the league. So they're no, they're no jokes. They're not, they're not terrible. Oh no, yeah. Stoker was sixth in the league. Gonna ignore me. That's next game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but get, getting a good performance after what felt like quite a few of the young lads um, being under the cosh, particularly on Twitter, I had a lot of noise about are these under twenty threes ever going to be good enough to make the step up? The boys, not men. They're not going yeah. out on loan enough, and all of this stuff. And um, it was good to see them not only putting a good attacking performance, but um, someone who we, we will feature soon, I'm, I'm sure, um, Mr. Creswell, um, Charlie yeah. Creswell, was absolutely unreal um, in defence. And if anyone watching this gets the opportunity to go and have a look at the highlights on the, the Leeds United YouTube of the game, um, and I think someone on Twitter put together Creswell's highlights, um, that lad has unbelievable passing range, brilliant yeah. tackling ability, great reading of the game. I think he's an absolute future star. Yeah, he you seems know, to be improved, doesn't he? I, I loved how strong we were in the tackle. And I think that's something, a feature of Bielsa ball, which you don't often see. Obviously, you've got, say, yeah. for example, in the first 11, KP or your anchorman, Klitsch is not afraid to, uh, doesn't shirk a challenge. But for the youth side, they played such beautiful football in that first 45 against Burnley, but they were also so strong in the tackle. And right, rightly so, Cookie, like you say, for me, the standout performers were obviously the man we're going to feature today, Mr Somerville, but also I thought Cresswell and McKinstry were absolutely solid. Um, down that left-hand side, we seem to get a lot of a lot of um, productivity out of Huggins and McCarran. Uh, and then equally so on the right-hand side, you've got Kenne linking up with Drame. And the whole performance, I think the, 30, the first 45 was just what typifies everything we were saying in the first part about how we like the mm. style, the ethos, the work ethic. You know, it seemed like they'd got an extra 10 to 20% on fitness, on speed, on technical ability, on 
whereabouts knowledge um reading the game yeah it was i couldn't sing the first 45 enough praises and i thought the second 45 we just did what needed to be done we steadied up and like i say brave in the tackle um and we we read the game and, and game management is often obviously something that they talk about that's often missing I think yeah. from younger players, but I thought the game management in the second half was also equally as good. It wasn't that they took the foot off the pedal. It's just we did what we needed to do to keep Burnley at bay. Yeah, Smash it's pretty standard, isn't it, at any level of football? When you're 3-0 up at half-time, that you maybe take your foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. Bear in mind this was an under-23s performance with... I don't think there was any first-team um, players uh, in there, so it was very no. much a, a no. pure under-23s stroke, let's be honest, under-18s performance. There was quite yes, a few yes. youngsters. Max Dean was involved in one of the goals later on, who is a, a very exciting under-18s prospect, so again, I'm sure we'll touch on I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Kenner, by the way, who obviously, for me, looks like an, an absolute talent. Um, has come back from a very significant injury where yeah. we weren't really sure what side we'd see of him. And with you mentioning not being afraid of the tackle, that is a man who is very, very happy um, to, to get some aggression going. Uh, he's a very, very good player. I mean, we, we committed you know a fair amount of fouls. I think there's 11 fouls looking, looking through, if memory serves from the match stats I was doing before before we did the pod. But you know we did control possession. We had uh, an, eight, an eight advantage shots on target ratio against them. I think ours was 10, theirs was two. Um, you know, the the we did whilst commit the odd foul, we limited things like offsides. We only had one book in, so strong in the tackle, but clever with the aggressiveness and the tenacity that we showed in the game. It wasn't mismanaged aggression, it was controlled um physical presence, which is what you need, like you say, when you three nil up, you want to shore up the defence and see out the game. So yeah, solid yeah. point. Yeah, I think Creswell gets a lot of problems, but the guy next to him, Mullen, sixteen years old. Yeah. He I mean, he's got incredible hair. I'm massively jealous of that to start with. But <laughs> he, it looks so comfortable on the ball for a 16-year-old playing on that sort of pitch as well because it was a dreadful, dreadful pitch. Yeah, I've never seen him play before and I was really impressed with him and how him and Creswell worked together to just snuff out... I mean, most of the dangers. Burnley scored one, but they were never looking like they were going to score more than that yeah. at all. He's um he's not normally in the team, is he? Because it's normally Creswell and Casey, and obviously Casey yeah. I think have been rested after Crawley. I was going to yeah. say two things there, which is one, it's it's good to see the resilience of the under twenty threes who played in the the first team game, and what was mm. obviously quite demoralising. And Greenwood to get on the score sheet clearly doesn't impact his confidence um, and his capability. But with you say Mullins, there, I'm pretty sure, and tell me if I'm wrong, and I could be off the top of my head. I think he's the lad who was at the Liverpool, who was ours, went to the Liverpool Academy as a Scottish um, international at youth level. Um, and absolutely looks a talent, and we've just we've literally just got him back. Um, yeah. He's been signed for the under 18s, and I think he was in the under 23s because of Casey playing. But you can see him stepping up that level without much much issue. Yeah, 16 years old, he looks that good on the ball. There's there's so there was just an all round great performance. You mentioned Rob McKinstry and um, McCarran. They're just so comfortable on the ball and running on that pitch as well. Just the yeah. And it's all well, Somerville will get all the plaudits, but yeah, I thought Bobby Camwell put a good performance in up front as well, leading the line. He did a lot, a lot of running for the guys behind him, Greenwood and uh, Somerville especially. He's not a striker, is he, Camwell? No, not typically. No, he's um, he he got so unlucky in the game. If you were, I'm not sure you've both watched it in yeah. full, but there were so many times where maybe just a slightly bad touch or the bounce of the pitch because it was a pretty poor pitch just didn't yeah. help him, or he made a really good run and a pass just didn't quite come his way. Um, he looks. I mean, he's, he's a very willing runner. Um, he's very good at the, in, you know, linking up play. Um, mm. So I think I think he's got a, a decent future. Just question will be over if he is being converted to a striker. 
Does he have that finishing capability? I'm not sure. I mean, obviously what we're doing with Greenwood in the under-23s at the moment is the standard experiment we see under Bielsa, which is converting people's positions and seeing what they can or can't do, uh, and probably very similar going on with Camwe. And when we get on to Somerville, um, is another one who is very much a, a multi-positional you know, positional player, can play anywhere from left wing to right wing to centre forward. Um, from where yeah, he's been before. I don't really know where he was playing against Burnley. He was just <laughs> all over the place. And yeah, I didn't really know where he was. Wanted, Ross. <laughs> Basically, yeah. When we spoke in the first pod as well about drama, and we said like up until his up until his red card, you know, he wasn't maybe the living up to the hype of the money that we invested in him when we brought him in um, from Fulham. And then you look at the performances since then, and I think we waxed a bit lyrical about how he stepped up and performed. I thought he was fantastic as well. I really did. I mean, I know it, it was a bit Terry Butcher-esque, wasn't it, when he came back on with his head all bandaged, <laughs> head all bandaged up and he was on the field, change of shirt, you know, get on with it, a bit of blood, it doesn't matter. But, you know, that was the kind of comedy side. But the, the performance was really solid and, and he was looking, what I really liked he was he was looking always forward and upwards, which... Yeah. Uh, Previously, I think he's tried to pass it back across the line or I've seen him tippy-tap into play from midfield. But he was um, he was looking, not for long balls, but he was looking for the more diagonal ball or across to the left or switching with Somerville and kind of overlapping. And I haven't seen that much of him doing that previously. So that was really kind of interesting to see as well. I think it was a accomplished performance. You could pick any of them, really, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah he looked... He looked like a younger Luke Ayling basically he was bombing up and down that right wing supporting uh, Somerville a lot of the time but yeah those balls out of defence it was him and Creswell Creswell had a great knack of just stepping forward and just hitting that diagonal ball with the left foot across the pitch it's so Liam Cooper-esque but at his age to do that already and find a winger every time it's really promising for the future yeah, like when we play football his passing ability is <clears throat> immense isn't it I mean you can tell his dad was not only involved in the academy um, and overseeing his progress but that he's been brought up in a footballing family where yes you don't naturally always get the ability but if you've got the ability and then you have someone day in day out who is helping you to progress I mean he's essentially got a one-on-one coach with his mm. um with his dad and he obviously plays a very different position he was a striker wasn't he but um I remember being really excited when we signed his dad as well Me too. Like, oh, <laughs> kid, <laughs> this good yeah, football. back when we had Creswell and Hulse yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to tear up the championship. <laughs> yeah, mate, that didn't quite happen, did it? But I think, I think he's got more more natural um, ability than than his dad probably had. Um, mm. The question for him, um, in particular, when we get on to focusing on him, I think will be: Does he have the pace? Um, I haven't seen that yet. I guess you don't really get tested too much under twenty threes no. because of the pace the games played at. Um, but he looks like he's got all of the all of the capability. I'm sure he'll step up at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that leaves us top of the table. We've played 12, won eight, drawn one, lost three. We're on a four-game winning streak as well currently. Um, our next game is Stoke on Monday. Um, they're currently eighth. They don't draw. They've played 11, they've won five and lost six. Um, scored 18 and conceded 18. So it should be a good game. Their last game was a 4-3 win against West Brom uh, just before Christmas. So they haven't played for a long time. So they could be rusty, which could be uh, in our favour, definitely. Yeah, and interestingly, their um, their last um, well, one of their last games was against Burnley back in mm. the middle of December, and they lost one nil um, to Burnley. Now I know, like any league, you can't always go off the results matching up to something else, but it makes me feel like if we can absolutely hammer Burnley four one the game before seven one with the goal scoring streak we're currently yeah. on, um, then we can soon ruin that goal difference for them. I think I think I think with Stoke, I get limited 
limited visuals of what I've seen of them, highlights, reels, and that wise. But looking at the raw stats on paper, I think we've got the ability to pass them off the park. I think that will be the key to that one. And exactly what Cookies just said, we're in a bit lethal form in front of goals. So if we convert the chances, which I don't doubt we'll create, no offence to Stoke under-23s, but I think we've got a better squad and we've got better players. Yeah. I think if we if we play the way we played against the previous two games, we can pass them. I mean, I think it's plus 75, 75% plus passing accuracy in all of our under-23 games this season, whether we've had first 11s in or not. Um, and I think against Burnley, it was, again, over 390 completed passes in the game. So I think we've got the legs uh, if we if we can pass them off the park a bit. be interesting, though, because obviously a lot of it with who comes in, you know, would you, I mean, this is a question to you chaps, would would you bring back in Casey and those kind of guys or would you go with the same 11 that started against Burnley? Ooh, what do you think, Cookie? I think I think at youth level and the, the progression of that team, I think Casey's going to walk back into that team. It, him and Creswell are the the, the, the centre-half pairing. Um, so I absolutely think that, that he will walk back in, whether or not he had a knock after the game, which is, you know, unlike Greenwood and a couple of others who, who went straight back into the under-23s. Yeah. I'm not sure whether he had a knock or whether he just wasn't feeling it, but I, th- I think he walked straight back into he the team. He was harrowed having to play in front of Casilla. That's what's wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> it, football. If he doesn't start, if he doesn't bring Costa on or Pervader today, for example, um, you know, will, will they get a slot? I think well, I was going to say you've got the other part, isn't it? Especially at centre half, where you're saying so. We know Lorente is fit, um, but yeah, Lorente. which is obviously a big thing. But it, it seems unlikely he'll play against Brighton today. It seems more likely we'll we'll stick with what we've been doing with Aylin at centre half, strike up to the middle, um, and Cooper into that role. So could we see Lorente um, featuring the under twenty threes? We know that Bielsa had already talked about how he wants to see. Lorente get those games. We saw he came straight in against Chelsea because of an emergency and injured himself. So do we want that to happen again? Yeah. We don't. So I think you could potentially um, see Lorente in the game on Monday. Um, so we'll have to see. I think with the, the under-23s, you're always going to see um, a bit of a mix-up and not so much consistency because it is a real mix of developing players, both under-18s and under-23s, as well as rehab and or confidence building for first teamers who are either in and out or coming back from injury. Of course, um, of course. So it'll be interesting to see, but you have got that core, haven't you, of that team. The spine of that team feels fairly consistent in that you've got Capriel in net, what, Creswell um, as your centre-half, Greenwood up front, and then your midfield does tend to, to change around a little bit depending on what's going on with the first teamers, but those three in particular seem to play every game and Gellart, obviously, who we will have to talk about at some point. Um, yeah. outstanding talent. I mean, how he's not got near the first team yet, I'm not sure. not sure if he's picked up a little injury at the moment because he wasn't obviously involved in the game on Monday, but he also wasn't involved at Crawley. So I'm assuming mm. he's got a bit of a knock or something going on. It's just it's, it's it's good to see against Burnley these these younger ones. So we're already talking about the youth squad, about the under-23s, but the under-18s that got a shout because some of their competitions, if I'm quite right in thinking, have been cancelled, haven't they, due to the COVID yeah. crisis? Yeah, so, being cancelled, haven't they? We're talking about fitness and keeping people active and match sharp. Obviously, there's going to be this sandwich effect now where the under-23s has also got to bring up the under-18s. But like you say, your Lorentes or maybe your Costas, Pervaders that are not getting, your Davises are not getting first 11 action regularly, they've got to drop down. So the 18s coming up will also get that first team experience. You know, if you're one of these 16, 17-year-olds, you're dropping into the squad and all of a sudden you, we spoke about it in the first pod, you know, you're playing against, you're playing with Pablo or you're playing with Helga yeah. Costa. It will be good for natural development. And yeah. we, we, we've also mentioned that's that's critical factor that the style of play 
remains the same from 18s to 23s to first 11 if, if we stick with that Bielsa style. Yeah, I mean, how amazing, yeah, how amazing must it be for your development if you are Creswell, Casey or Mullins, if Lorente comes into that under-23s to get his fitness and you are learning yeah. from a Spanish international centre-half with what, he's been a professional now for what, probably not far off 13, 13 years, 13 years something, like that. Well, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, he is obviously going to help develop those guys. So that's it's an exciting prospect. I, I like the way that we're different to a lot of other clubs, particularly Premier League clubs, in how we use, and we talked touched on it last week, didn't we, about how we use the under-23s, how we mix up first-teamers and helping aid their development, etc. So, um, yeah, exciting times. And, and not to speak bad about uh, the man himself, Mr Marcelo Bielsa, but I, I thought the Crawley issue, which obviously I know we, we, we should touch on that because some of the under-23s did get a bit of a battering on social media. They're not good enough. They're miles away from first eleven quality, not Premier League players. Let's get them loaned out and so on. Um, I, I thought tactically... Potentially, Bielsa got the timing of the subs wrong. When it's 0-0 and you're controlling the game, we weren't sparkling, I get that, but we were controlling the game. I question whether that was the right opportune moment to bring some of them young lads on. And people can say, well, it's only Crawley. But as we've all spoken about, they're still a football outfit. You know, you put some of these guys in, you know, Robbie Gotts has done well and the lads that are out on loan, but they're the first ones to tell you, it's tough. It's tough down in those leagues, on those pitches. You've got hungry professionals who want to win games and Crawley wanted to beat us. And I don't know, for me, if it was the right chance to bring those youngsters on. So I'd say, for me, just to, to, to use this platform to air that opinion, uh, I do think it was more of a reflection on maybe this tactics and style and the fact the first 11 players didn't step up as much rather than the under-23s are simply just not good enough to beat Crawley Town. Yeah, I mean, Bielsa called himself out on it, to be fair, that he got the subs wrong, that he didn't quite get that right. He wanted to give some of the youngsters experience. I think at the end of the day, whilst Crawley is an embarrassing result for us and we don't want to touch on that too much, is that it's still good development for them because that is what is going to help build your resilience. How do you come back from embarrassing defeats? How do you come back from feeling that low impacting your own confidence at that age to get that experience in a first team set up um it'll make or break some people and actually that will help them know whether they are going to have that capability to step up to first team or not in the long run Mm. because the ones who don't have the mental resilience which is such a big part of the modern game they will crumble off the back of that um so we'll have to see but i think you know there were some players involved in there who people are saying maybe they don't have the capability they absolutely fucking do you can't judge Greenwood, Huggins and the likes on what happened. Um, I mean, if you've watched some of these lads in the under-23s, do they need some loan experience? I think they probably do. I mean, Mm. I'm sure we're going to talk about loans, but, you know, if we look at Robbie Gotts um, as a key key one there, he was, what, Virgin on the first team played against Arsenal um, in the Cup last year, looked fantastic. On the bench every game. Yeah, on the bench every game. He's gone out to, and from what I hear, it was his insistence he wanted that experience. Gone out right. to Lincoln, maybe struggled to break into the team because they're flying high in League One at the top of the league. But he's scored a goal just before he left, done all right. He's now going to Salford, where he'll have to deal with the dirty scummer ownership, but he'll be all right. Um, but he's <laughs> testing himself in a sort of playoff level League Two and building up his capability. So, w- could we see some of these lads going out and doing it? Yeah, but um, Gotts, tell me if I'm wrong. I think he's 21. 
So some of these lads are two, three years younger. I think Gotts is 2021. 20, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were talking about an average age of 19, weren't we, last week? At the yeah. end of, they were in 23, so they've got still two we, more years. We've got to run. remember, there really aren't many Woodgate and Rooney's and yeah. these kinds of players who really break into your first team, 16, 17, 18, unless they are absolute fucking wonder kids, which mm. that's not to say some of these lads can't become top, top players. You look at James Milner was obviously breakthrough early, but... He didn't go on to be everything we thought he was, but he's turned out to be a great player. And I think that lots of these lads can go on to be good players. Just maybe none of them are going to set the world on fire quite like a, a dirty Rooney, Derby County bastard. I'd take a squad full of solid professionals than a flash in a pan, Freddie Adu style. You know, someone yeah. comes in and, and then we ruin them too young. And I know it's a, I know it's a fine topic, isn't it? What age do you bring them in? And different clubs and different academies have got different opinions on it. I personally love the freedom we play in the under-23s. And I think that comes because there isn't that pressure of you're, you're 18, 19 years old, you've got to go out in front of a Premier League crowd or the television cameras and uh, and perform. So I'd rather them build up their technical ability, game management, all the attributes that we associate with solid, good professional footballers yeah. in the under-23s, you know, scoring goals for fun against Fulham's or Villas or whoever, winning some youth competitions, breaking in on the sub, off the suspension, then progressing gradually. That's my preference. I think yeah. we tend to find a solid professional footballer rather than these flash in the pan. You know, yeah, well, what yeah. I find interesting is that there's a lot of pressure in England to send players out on loan for the development and all that kind of stuff. The best academy in the world, most successful in the last 10 years, in reality, 10, 15 years, has been Barcelona's academy, hasn't it? Simple as that. Did you see Messi, Xavi and all, Iniesta and all of those guys going out on loan to second division Spanish teams to progress? I don't know all of the detail, but I don't think they did. I think that you can learn your trade in the academy. You can, if your academy is set up in the right way, help these guys to develop their natural talent, their creative side that sometimes if you send a player who's a young capable let's say winger for example out to someone in league two like Salford you know in the example there because of what's going on with Robbie Gotson I know he's not a winger but you can stunt that creativity because actually it's yeah. all results driven they struggle for money they're not expected mm. to take people on if they lose the ball the drop from the team do you want that to be the main part of their development or would you rather they get the freedom of expression in under 23 football with less pressure to develop their skill set. I would argue that there needs to be a balance, but I would rather see them developing in the 23s, which I know a lot of people wouldn't, but that's my preference, especially with the way we mix up the first team in there. Yeah, I think Mark Jackson's done a good job of... He, he's been through this. He went through this all himself, so he knows kind of the route and the route back down the football period once you get to the top and how you, you stay there. So it's important that he gives his lessons to his kids. And I think, yeah, it, they can learn stuff at League Two, but they can also learn stuff from the coaches in the, in the academy and all the players around them. Yeah. One um, thing I reckon Jacko in particular will be helpful for with the, the young lads is the setbacks. Let's be honest, he never quite yeah. made it as a regular in the first team, but he also knows what it's like to try and transition between the two. He knows what mm-hmm. it's like to deal with setbacks and struggling um, injuries, etc. So he's the perfect person for me to help these lads transition into successful first-team footballers. And he's yeah. doing a great job, like you say. Yeah. Um, so then our kind of our profile this week is going to be on the uh, boy Somerville himself. He had a cracking game this weekend. He's, he's kind of, that's kind of his first real breakout performance since he signed in the summer. He came over for a decent amount of money for us, for especially for a youth player. Um, yeah. I mean, as always, I've done a bit of uh, info on him if you'd like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just to sort of talk through him. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, um, but he has had injuries, to be fair to him. Yeah. So whilst it's his first breakout performance, he's not really had a, a run. 
um, because he, he struggled since he came over with us. But you're not wrong. I mean, he's originally from Rotterdam um, in Holland, obviously, but has Surin- Surinamese heritage. Um, so he could he could technically play for Suriname or the Netherlands. Not surprisingly, he's picked the Netherlands. Um, he's played for them through under-16 to under-19 and actually won in England um, the under-18 Euros um, with the Netherlands. He played in all uh, sorry, five out of the six games, scored a goal. He only got rested for one game in that. Um, so, you know, it's it's really good to see that he's, he's doing things and getting that experience of winning things at a young level. Primarily plays as a winger that we already touched on, preferably right side for him, but can play on the left, can play centre forward. He's quite a small lad. Um, not tiny, mm. but he's, he's about five foot nine, I think. Five nine, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's obviously very good to see him involved at that level. Um, and he scored for quite nicely for us as England fans. Um, scored in a 3 0 victory in that um, Euros against Germany. Always nice to see. Um, so, yeah, and he's obviously started off at Feyenoord. Um, is where he started his professional career, his first professional terms, um, and then signed for us somewhere in the region, depending where you look at transfer market or other sources, somewhere between sort of one and one point three million. So not dissimilar to to Gellar and Greenwood in terms of how much he's cost us. Yeah. Um, he never made a first team appearance for Feyenoord. Get away, sorry, <laughs> stupid cat. <laughs> uh, he never made a first team appearance for Feyenoord, which actually was linked to. Um, and suggests he's got a bit of a sassy side to the lad. Um, <laughs> he got suspended um, from Feyenoord for a training ground um, fight. <laughs> um, so he got himself in a bit of bother, um, and that's why they sent him out to FC Dortrecht um, in the, I want to say, second yeah second division of, of um, Netherlands football in 2019. So he got an opportunity in the second tier over there in Dutch football. Made 18 appearances, scored five goals. So obviously showed his capability and then got to step up um, a level up to the Eredivisie. So the top level with Ado Den Haag, if I'm saying that right. Apologies for anyone Dutch watching if they are. Um, but still impressive. Not quite the same stats, but bear in mind at this point, he's 17, 18 years old. Played 21 games in the top division with two goals and three assists, which for me Imagine. is phenomenal. We managed to pinch him from under the noses of some other teams, which, bear in mind, we'd only just got promoted. He was linked with Wolves, um, with Rangers, and with RB Salzburg. Um, yeah. So, you know, no mean feat um, in terms of the teams we pinched him off, particularly Wolves, I think, probably been the, the Premier League rival, so to speak. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, generally, he's, he's a tricky winger, full of, you know, tricks and. Um, able to take players on. Um, he's he's fast as fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. And got what was this? What I've seen described as an explosive shot in comparison to what you'd expect for his diminutive size. And he's been compared quite a lot with the likes of Jadon Sancho. Um, I'm probably saying his name wrong. Is it Jaden Fucknos um, and Raheem Sterling? Um, comfortable anywhere in a front three, just like them two. Um, so yeah, he's he looks. Very, very good. I mean, Dirk Coit, who was involved in the Feyenoord youth setup um, when he was there, um, we'll obviously know him from from Liverpool primarily. He was the under nineteen yeah. coach, and he said he's a great talent, developed really well, fantastic passing movement, and no arguing with his capability on the ball. the The only thing he needs to do to take the next step is just a few more bits of development around his being a more rounded game. Um, right. So clearly, a lot of a lot of highly, you know, there's a lot of people who think very highly of him. Um, I haven't gone with the quote, but um, there was, oh, I'm going to try and remember. There was an English coach who went over to Holland. It might have been Steve McLaren, you know, I can't remember. Yeah, he did. somehow yeah. interacted with Somerville and said, look, good no, we're Alan Pardew. That were it. Alan Pardew <laughs> was involved over there. And I kind of took his comments with a pinch of salt, but 
um, he was saying how capable Somerville is as well, that there was no one else at the club. And I think that was at Ad- Ado Den Haag, if I'm honest. Where, I think he was uh, their manager, yeah, Padre, yeah. yeah. So where um, he said no one else at the club had his capability. No one else had his wow. skill set. Um, no one else kid. could do the things he could do. Exactly. He was 18 at the time. He's only just turned 19 back end of yeah. October. So still a young lad. Wow. Very exciting. Rob, thoughts on uh, Somerville? I like the look of him. Like I say, uh, we have been limited to what we've seen of him, uh, mainly with first 11 wingers stepping down. You know, mm. you know, Jackson's been either given the directive or had to go with, you know, putting Paveda or Costa in or experimenting, especially when he was out injured, as Cookie said. But, um, I mean, don't give me pelters on this one, but it, it generally reminded me of with the running, not necessarily the finishing, uh, but with his running, reminded me of... Uh, a kind of more controlled version of Sean Wright Phillips. Um, I, I just saw, I mean, he's he got a slightly better ability to take people on, I hope, as he develops into a more <laughs> final ball than Sean Wright. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, he drew, for me, the way he can shift balance. Now, I must I must mm. be honest, I didn't know his height. You, you think you said five foot nine there. Look, watching the game and seeing his position and, and his body shape when he's running, I thought he was smaller than that. Because he seemed yeah. to have such a low center of gravity, and when he was when he was doing that interplay that I was talking about earlier with Drame, or he was flicking balls off to to, to Kenner and then coming back out to the right wing, he, he was, his balance shifting off left foot to right foot just seemed um, you know like second nature to him. Uh, Cookie, I don't know if you know because I don't know. Is he is he ambidextrous? Is he both footed or is he right footed? Actually, couldn't find that information anywhere. If I'm honest yeah. with you, bear in mind that he plays in the right wing. I would assume he's right footed, but if he right plays right and left. You never know, do you? Does that mean that he no. is both-footed or does that mean he's happy to cut inside onto his stronger foot? Haven't been able to find that information. So if anyone knows that, by the way, anyone who's yeah, followed final Ado Den Haag or FC Don Dortrecht, I might be saying all of them wrong, <laughs> drop a drop a comment um, you know, on the on the YouTube channel and let us know if you, you know that information because I'd be intrigued to know. I mean, I think that the thing that impresses me most with him, by the way, um, is... Let's remember that Feyenoord are a top Eredivisie team. There's no yeah. thing about They're a big team. And he has sacked off being a first-team footballer in an Eredivisie team to come and play for our under-23s. <laughs> that's yeah. a big... Yeah. That's a bold move. And some people might say that that's not a wise move, but I think that screams about his confidence and capability of breaking through into the first team. In fact, I saw an article um, that was written about how he is the biggest threat um, to Perveda breaking through in the sense that he could be better than Perveda. And I'm not saying he is, but given the fact that he's been talked about in that vein um, and where Perveda's come from and what he's showing as his capability is, that's an exciting mm. prospect. Yeah, the reason definitely. I asked about the foot, the ambidextrous with the foot side of things is, I mean, it seems like a really odd thing to be watching out for a foreigner football game. But obviously now we are doing these podcasts. I'm trying to study these players. Uh, and if any of the players are listening, I'm not stalking you, I promise. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, you are. Don't lie. <laughs> I am really. Spygate V2. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I just was really kind of fascinated by his quick change, uh, his, his durability of balance shift from left to right here. It wasn't just that he could take players on. He glided past, past players, so he's fast. We know that. But he was able to shift his weight and wrong foot quite a lot of that Burnley defence. And, and I don't know a lot about, obviously, the Burnley under-23s. Under I don't know if those kind of back four are young lads lads from their first-team subs or, you know, I, I don't really know enough. But he seemed to make them look beyond amateur. Uh, and again, no offence to them if they're listening. He, he just had them on toast all game. Uh, and, and like you say, he naturally deserves all the plaudits because he not only had the running game and the ability to take people on, 
uh, unlike my reference to Mr. Phillips, there was an end product, which was his three goals, which he thoroughly deserved as well. It'll um, be exciting to see. Um, which It looks inevitable that we're going to go up to Premier League um, Division 1 in the yeah. under-23s. Mm. Um, depending on who does break through to the first team training, whoever gets involved in that, whoever's left in the under-23s, it'll be interesting to see how they get on um, if we go up, which feels like we will, so it's more of a when than an if. Um, against some of the, I guess, more well-known category A big bloody academies, you know, your Man Cities, your Chelsea's, your Man United's, who have, who have yeah. bought up <clears throat> half of the youth players in the world, which they yeah. might not be able to do anymore with um, good old Brexit, which might make that more difficult. But it'll be interesting to see how that compares. Because the one thing I do like about our academy is, whilst we've complemented it with players like Somerville from overseas academies, and we obviously had Strike come from Ajax's, um, predominantly these are British, Scottish, Northern Irish, um, or even Irish and, and English um, young players. Most of them are British, um, which is is exciting for us for the future of this club, because I think we've always had a history, haven't we, of, you know, you mentioned um, McCarran and McKinstry, and it just makes me think of, you know, some of the old school midfielders we've had, McAllister and Bremner and all of those likes who've all come from Scotland and Ireland and all that kind of stuff and all the heritage we have. So it's just good to keep that going throughout time. That excites me personally with our history. Yeah, definitely. I think we're done, chaps. Any other business? Do we need to preview Stoke? Have we done that? Uh, yeah, we can do. Yeah, they're, so they're sitting in eighth. Um, like I said, they don't draw. They have a win or they lose. Um, we do match last predictions? Was... <laughs> yeah, let's do I think we that win. That can be hard under 23 <laughs> level, can't it? Fucking hell. You know, when you were talking about Scottish midfielders then, I really thought you were going to bust out a, a reference to someone like David Hopkin. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I hope one of our youth players have the fucking gap yeah, right. that lad had. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him, me. I know he didn't come for our youth academy, but it was... Uh, no, he was Palace, wasn't he? I don't know where he academy, but he came from Palace, didn't he? <laughs> I, think he played, I think he played with Chelsea before that, did he not? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, yeah. God, I'm David Hopkins, latter of the past. I've just realised, <laughs> not once did I mention fucking Wales. Welsh people, if you're angry at me, comment. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. So we're going to go on match then for That's the under-23s against Stoke yeah. on Monday. Heavy Leeds victory. I'm going to go something like 5-0, I think. I'll give them oh. a go, 5-1. What about you, Rob? Uh, I'm going to be a bit more conservative. I'm going to say we'll probably win 3-1. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go in between you both and I'm going to go for 4-0 um, and I'm going to go for a, a Greenwood hat-trick because they want to prove all the uh, criticism wrong even further. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so like I say, yeah, leave us a comment on uh, on our YouTube channel. We've got some good views on the last one. Uh, leave us a comment if you want us to talk about any specific players. We'll, we will be putting uh, polls up on the Royal Peacock uh Twitter page and probably the Adelites uh, Twitter page as well for kind of who we're going to profile in the future. Um, but yeah, leave us some five star rates and reviews on iTunes and all the other places that podcasts are available. You can find me at Bossbow1984 on Twitter. Where can they find you, Cookie? At Mickledunians, a classic. Subscribe, motherfuckers. <laughs> and where can they find you, Rob? I don't use YouTube, but on Twitter you can get me at Juicy Rob, J U C E E R O B. There you go. You can find us at uh, Peacock's Raw on Twitter and all the other podcasts will come out through that feed. Um, there's loads of them. Uh, just 
get involved basically we want to hear more from you guys about what you want us to talk about um players games all that sort of stuff we love talking about the kids and it's uh it's an exciting time to be talking about them so get involved with us um so until we're back next week to cover the stoke victory and looking forward to uh, who we're playing after that uh, it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from rob goodbye and a goodbye from cookie goodbye and we'll see you later ciao for Bye. now most of our stats come from LUFC stats or LUFC data on Twitter. You should probably give them a follow as they're more interesting than us. A very special thanks to Adam Warner, Barney Stewart, Cookie, Ewan and Howard, Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon and Rob, The Light Show and all our family and friends.